Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and for today's episode, we're going to deviate slightly away from the traditional restaurant focus, but we are staying firmly in the food and beverage world, just with a little bit more emphasis on the latter. And that's because my guest today is Jake Heiliger, the Chief Operating Officer of Wine, Beer, and Spirits, which uh, now has... Uh, locations in Omaha, Lincoln, Grand Island, and a fifth on the way, which we're going to talk about. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, I mean, considering the rapid growth that your stores, these alcohol superstores have had, and how many different places they're popping up, I don't imagine that there are a ton of people who are listening to this who aren't aware of what your business is, but just in case there are, can you, like, how would you describe wine, beer, and spirits to somebody who hasn't been in yet? Well, it is kind of one of those just large liquor stores we've noticed in the past. There were a lot of them spread throughout the country, and Nebraska did not really have anything like that. So we wanted to bring that here, and uh, we kind of played off some of those we've seen before uh, while implementing unique, you know, strategies and fun ideas that we were uh, have been able to do that, you know, we didn't see take place other places, which has uh, really helped us as well. What are some of those strategies and fun ideas? I think the biggest one is just the bar. Right as you walk into any of our locations, you have a full service bar where you're able to grab a uh, cocktail, craft beer, domestic beer, high end bourbon, tequila, something new that you may not have tried or that's uh, relatively hard to find as well. Uh, grab a drink, hang out at the bar, or get it in a plastic cup and shop with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that is something that makes your store so unique compared to others. Is that I remember even the first time I came in, it was for uh, one of my coworkers' going away parties, and we we tasted some uh, some whiskey as we were just kind of sitting there and reminiscing, and we were all just like, "Dang." This is really good. And then we could go directly back into the store and go purchase that bottle of whiskey, which several of us did and still have good memories for that. So it, that that's just such a unique proposition. And I think the other thing that makes you guys super unique, especially here in Nebraska, is just the sheer amount of selection that there is. So I apologize if you don't know the exact number, but just off the top of your head, like at the original location – the first location, how many different wines, beers, spirits do you offer? 
it'll vary on any given day or month just based on new items that are rolling in and out, but you're looking at around 6,000 items at any given oh. time. So <laughs> I could probably tell you in about a week, we spent all night counting the full store uh, last night. So I had my management team there until about 3 a.m. is how long that usually takes just to get good inventory on everything. But it's it's quite a bit of product. I have seen it referred to as like the Costco for alcohol. And it really, I mean, it really is. That's the, the, the type of size of a store that we're talking about and how many products you have, or maybe not, you know, the bulk items in right. terms of Costco. But in, in doing my research, I saw um, another article where it was either you or, or one of the other managing partners said the average time in the store is about per customer is about 40 minutes. And I think when people like hear that number, they're just like, what? No way. At the liquor store? Seriously? But there's so much selection. It is more like going to the grocery store and people get carts and everything to go around. And there's just, there's so much to see. There's so much to experience that it's, it's not really like anything else in, I was going to say Omaha, but really Nebraska. I think that's why it's taken off so much. Yeah, and uh, you're exactly right. I noticed within probably four days of being open that we could not only have carts up front because people would make it 30 feet in the store and they'd be running back up front to grab a cart because they would just randomly, you know, impulse buy things that they'd never seen before or something that looked like they wanted to try. So we've staged carts halfway through the store. People realize, oh, I'm going to need one now. Now that's fascinating. So people are thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just come in and grab my one or two regulars. But then they realize, wow, there's this whole treasure trove of things I didn't even know existed. Yeah, I'm going to need a cart. Yeah, I, people now, they've caught on. They know, come in, I better grab my cart. I'm going to find four or five different items that I wasn't planning on getting. But we're definitely not the place where somebody comes in knowing they only need a 24-pack of beer. I'm going to grab that, and I'm going to leave. Uh, like you said, we we average about 40 minutes with customers in there, uh, which is why we try to staff appropriately and have knowledgeable people on the floor as people are seeing all these uh, items they may not have seen before, have questions about uh, products that we have staff that can inform them or help them find what they're looking for. And we're going to get more into that, but I want to I want to talk about your background real quick, Jake, because I know that you've got background in both the restaurant and the the bar. Uh, industry. Can you give me like a 60, 90 second rundown of kind of what your career looks like in the hospitality industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I did come from the restaurant industry. Actually, my uh, what I wanted to do when I was younger was go to culinary school. And I went out to Chicago and visited there. And uh, the city just wasn't for me. Uh, I guess I'm more of a small town person coming from Lincoln. And uh, I just hopped into restaurants when I was about 18 years old, did that for about Oh, seven, eight years. And then when my uh, business partner, he started a partnership um, to open Thunderhead Brewing Tap Rooms and he needed someone to run those. So I started there. We expanded a bit, adding event spaces, adding the second location downtown and whatnot with kind of our current concept always being our uh, larger dream and goals and whatnot. But we did that for a while until we finally had an opportunity to, uh, um, you know, buy the Toys R Us and get that going. Uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, but the fact that it, the original store, and I think even one of the subsequent locations is in a Toys R Us, uh, the, the uniqueness and the nostalgia that that brings is just incredible. But this is a food podcast, so we got to talk about food a little bit. And I think that there is this 
it's an intrinsic skill to be able to pair food and alcohol, whether that's, you know, a, a beer that you're going to be having at a backyard cookout versus a wine for a wine dinner. Like, what is the art between behind pairing alcohol and food, in your opinion? I think it's definitely evolved over the last 15, 20 years where it was, whether it was wine uh, with food, it was eat this and drink this with it. It has evolved more into eat what you like, drink what you like. Uh, but there's definitely a process uh, to take into mind when you are suggesting things. Uh, you know, whether you're looking at lighter food with lighter white wine, heavier steaks with, you know, big Cabernets, um, all the way to beer with, you know, very hoppy IPAs. You know, do you want that with, you know, a long meal or should you start with more Mexican lagers and Pilsners, things like that? Um, all the way into the craft cocktailing world, which um, I admit I'm an amateur compared to a lot of my employees and people I've worked with in the past who just know so much more about it than I do. But there's definitely, you know, that pairing where, you know, they just work well together and they feed off each other. Uh, your palate just is able to recognize those things. So uh, any of the restaurants here in town that do food and wine pairings or have special cocktail menus, uh, you know, they just do a fantastic job with it where I'm more of the uh, support when people are like, okay, what's your opinion on this? And I can say, well, if this is something you enjoy drinking, I think it'll go really well with what you're having as a meal, but don't feel like you have to have it. Uh, if you don't know if it's something you will like, because it is, it has kind of become eat what you like, drink what you like. I would agree with that. I think, I think, I think that there are p people who are experts who can definitely pair food and wine a little bit differently, but I, I'm someone who's probably whatever I'm having, you know, a, a sommelier could give me a great glass of wine. I'm probably just going to prefer a whiskey neat. Like let's just be completely, that's just my palate. And, and it's just the same as food. It, like that's perfectly fine for everyone to have their own thing. Now, you know, when you talk about a store that has 6,000 products available, give or take at a certain time. And I mean, if, if you're in there and somebody comes up to you and is asking for recommendations, where where do you even start? Like, how do you have the head knowledge to be able to – do you just point them to a certain area or do you make, like, specific recommendations? Like, I'm so fascinated in how you just bring people's knowledge to all these awesome products you have. It can be difficult at times depending on where you feel your expertise are and where the staff you have on hand um, is – extremely knowledgeable. Yes, I have a sommelier on staff. I have a great craft beer person. I have a few people that are amazing with spirits and scotches and bourbons and things like that, but I can't work them all open to close every single day. So sometimes my sommelier is not there. Uh, my craft beer person's not there. Luckily, I've been around long enough where I feel like I have a good base in every department. Um, and then I can kind of get into a little bit more nuances with the things I feel like I know really well. Um, but one thing I, you know, I do stress to my staff is let's not overly be our, BS our way to an answer, I guess. Let's uh, make sure that we're giving them accurate information and stuff that we're confident in. So if, you know, I'm not there and my sommelier is not there and someone really wants some in-depth knowledge about French wine and no one on staff has that, you know, we always just say, hey, uh, call Matt back and chat with him whenever he's around, or these are the ones I know he really likes and he suggests, but I can't give you, you know, that much more information on it. Cause I'd rather just be honest with our uh, customers and point them down the road that we're comfortable with at the time. Sure. 
Now, I saw a quote from you in, in another article. You said, on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon, I believe we have as much knowledge on the store floor as any store in the country, which is incredible. What makes you say that? I'm just really confident in my management team and even my uh, hourly employees. A lot of them have really taken a hold of the job and it's something that they're interested in and want to learn more. Um, I have, you know, 23, 24 year old kids, as I say nowadays, but uh, that started three years ago, just as cashiers who have really enjoyed it. You know, they may have been going to school for something different and they've really enjoyed the industry and learning about things to where it's not always just a full-time job for them. It's something that they like to expand their knowledge and, uh, yeah, I feel like across the board, I have a great management team um, in every department. And, you know, the busy shifts are when the most of us are there. And I feel like a question comes in, somebody uh, on my staff on any given day should be able to, you know, handle it for the most part. So how do you train those those 23, 24-year-olds who are starting off with probably pretty limited knowledge as a cashier to now where they're at the point where, yeah, they're out on the floor making recommendations. How do you get them from point A to point B? Yeah, it's learning a lot from each other, um, learning a lot from other people in the industry, in town, you know, whether it's my sommelier. My sommelier started as a uh, cashier, and I previously had a different sommelier, and he worked really well with her, and she taught him a lot, um, and he just kept studying, and he got certified not too long ago, and it was just something that he grew to have a passion for. Um, so it's just, you know, learning from each other. I learn a ton about, even though I was in the crap beer industry, I feel like I know so little now that I learn from my beer manager every single day, just because so much new stuff's coming in all the time that I constantly have to be absorbing that information. Uh, same goes for bourbons, you know, just with all the bourbon hype, everything like that, the new things that are coming out, the different blends and whatnot, I have to learn from my spirit specialist. So it's, we just kind of feed off each other. We, uh, our suppliers do a great job informing us, whether it's through training classes, things like that. But uh, it's, it's just being there and wanting to learn the pro- product. Something that I hear commonly from people on this show, guests that I have on this show, is that one of the most important things in this industry, and probably really just all of life, but in this industry specifically, is you constantly have to keep an open mind. Is that you can't, the minute that you think you know everything about food or you can't learn something from someone else is when you start to get stale and when you lose it. And it sounds like you would say it's very similar in the uh, spirits and, and beer and wine world as well. I mean, there's constantly new products coming out. There's constantly fads and trends and different ways that people are consuming things. How important is it to just have that growth mindset that, yeah, this, you know, you might have hired this employee as a cashier two years ago, but now, you know, you are asking them questions and you're relying on them. How, how important is it to have that open mindset? Uh, it's extremely, whether it's, you know, from our top, our corporate team, as you know, we almost have to refer to ourselves as now that we've, uh, been in growth mode all the way down to our hourly employees. But it's something that, uh, everyone's kind of on the same page with that. Me and my, uh, two biggest, uh, business partners that are involved, we butt heads all the time, you know, but we respect each other's, uh, opinions, uh, and we feel like it allows us to make better decisions for the company. Um, all the way down to our buying, you know, whether it's myself and my wine manager or my spirits manager, uh, bouncing ideas off each other, trying to stay ahead of trends. Um, you know, 
all the way around, whether it's pricing, how much we buy on things, uh, what we want to lean into and just realizing that you will make mistakes. You know, I'll walk by a display of product that sat there for six months and I'll be like, I really messed that one up. Like I went out on a limb, I wanted to be ahead of the curve and it's still sitting there. And, you know, we're sitting on that much product for however much long and I'm going to end up selling it at a loss to move it or whatnot. But, uh, we're okay with that. We take a lot of shots and, uh, you know, if, if we're right about enough of them, it's better for the customer experience. Now I want to get an example of the opposite of that. You, you, just reference, hey, you know, there might be something that doesn't sell very well. What's an example of something that, you know, maybe you didn't know if it was going to hit it off, but you offered it and bam, people loved it. I think the first big trend we saw move was from the seltzers into the ready-to-drink cocktails, whether they're canned cocktails, bottled, or, you know, large formats. And we leaned heavily into expanding our shelf set uh, based around all those different products. Um, and that really uh, was successful for us. You know, there, there's a lot of small examples of that or whether or not we commit to buying a large chunk of what's available in the state because we know that it's going to be gone and we want to have it for an extended three months when everybody is out. So when rum chata peppermint is gone after the holidays and everybody tried it at family Christmas and they're wondering where they can get it. Well, we're the only one that bought an extra three month supply. So they have to come to us uh, to pick up the product. Now, how much of stocking the store is just following the trends versus trying to, to understand the why behind it? Like you just mentioned the, the prepared cocktails, like you see that those are expanding in popularity. So obviously you get more of them because supply and demand, but do you guys like how, how deeply do you guys delve into, okay, why, why are people going for these pre-made cocktails? Why now? Like, do you get into the psychology behind it at all? I think we have enough conversations with our customers on a daily basis just to kind of understand that. Well, it's going to this, whether it becomes a price point or it becomes just an efficiency thing. I don't want to have to make a Negroni or an old fashioned from scratch every night. And uh, this producer does a good enough job that I can just pour this over the rocks and I'm good for a night and I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, you know, just having those conversations with our customer base as to why, you know, I don't spend hours a week uh, trying to dig into the psychology of my customers, but I feel like we're on the floor and we have enough interaction uh, with them to kind of get that understanding and then, you know, try to pred predict the next wave. Uh, I guess whether it's good or bad, Nebraska being in the dead center of the country, we're always last to absorb trends and we're usually last to get new products. I mean, I'll have calls text messages, uh, Facebook messages about, Hey, can you get this product? When's this product coming in? And then, you know, if I know it's coming and I've had so many requests for it, I'm going to try to be ahead of the curve and buy, you know, a lot of it. Uh, that way we make sure we have something that has been, you know, sought after for a while. Gotcha. Now let's talk a little bit more about that bar area up front. Cause I think that's such a unique concept, at least here in Nebraska, because if somebody goes in your original location off 144th and center here in Omaha, that's the first thing that they'll see is off to the right. There's, I mean, it's a pretty well set up little section. And that's the thing. Like if you wanted to just come have a drink and not do any shopping, you could go to wine, beer and spirits and have just the traditional bar experience like you would at any other bar. Who came up with that idea? Um, 
my business partner, who I should also mention is my brother-in-law. It just happened to work out that we've known each other for about, oh, 15 years. So we always are kind of on the same page with things and uh, seeing what our tap rooms did previously, um, not having any food built into it. We're like, well, if we can extend a bar in this area, allow people to bring in food, do food trucks, things like that, and serve them with reasonably priced drinks, uh, some different products that won't be every place. Uh, we think that that could do well. Um, it has done significantly better than we thought it would. Uh, I have an absolutely amazing bar manager who, uh, He's a full-time teacher and still works five nights a week for me, and he just crushes everything about the bar, whether it's uh, bringing in products, staffing it correctly uh, with customers, the amount of uh, uh, people we have with reviews or call in or when I'm on the floor saying, you know, Don and his staff is great at the bar. Um, I couldn't be luckier to have him there. So it's, it's, a, it's a customer service thing there as well. I think without having... Don or someone similar to Don taking care of customers the way he does, uh, it wouldn't be as as successful as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned f bringing food trucks in. You've done that a bunch of times. Uh, I've been there once or twice when Izzy's was out. You know, on the patio, you've had Modern Waffle, Dire Lion, Dire Lion, excuse me, several other trucks. Is that kind of the atmosphere that you're hoping to create more consistently? Where you've, it's you know, especially in the summer where you've got you know, a truck outside and people can go inside and get something from the bar. They can even purchase something, come outside, get some food from the truck. Like that just sounds like a good time. Is that kind of what you're shooting for? Yeah, it was something we wanted to do. And it's, it's hard to get everything done when you're growing, you're expanding, opening right. more stores. So we've, you know, had to push things off that we may have wanted to do previously, but we got our whole uh, side parking lot license to be able to drink out there fenced it in uh so we're capable of doing events you know we got some basic patio furniture and whatnot um but we want to give people the opportunity to come out and just have an evening you know if you're spending 40 minutes here already make it an hour and a half grab dinner uh try a new food truck um my social media and marketing manager she handles all of that she sets up all the events uh she reaches out to all the sampling people uh, so she does a great job of just making sure all that's locked in uh, and creating new things. We just had a meeting last week. She has three big events planned for the rest of the year in that parking lot. Uh, so there's always some fun stuff coming. Now, I think one of the most important things, I mean, you guys have been wildly successful. We're talking, you're opening your fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth. fifth store. Yeah, sorry, I'm behind. Fourth, fifth store in five years since 2019 so i mean 2020 uh, late 2020 or middle 2020 okay 2020 so even more impressive the expansion has been rapid and i think one of the things that helped you guys get off the ground so quickly was that location and you mentioned it earlier it's a former toys r us and it was a toys r us like that for god knows how many years before that but i think the nostalgia of having that and so many people who grew up with that being their toy store, and now they're adults, and they're the ones purchasing alcohol, and they're going to the same place to do that. It's this weird connection, this weird vibe, but it just, like, works. H how do you guys play off that and take, you know, make the most advantage of it? Yeah, I mean, at first, uh, it wasn't the plan. I mean, we, the building went up for auction. We were able to slide in, luckily, um, and then as we started opening, it was during COVID, which nobody saw coming. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to get a liquor license because of it. 
Um, people were worried about, you know, putting money behind us uh, to start our business. And so it was one of those things where it's like, how can we get by uh, just getting this place open uh, whenever we're allowed all the way down to us having no shopping carts uh, two weeks before opening, calling some calling a shopping cart dealer. And he says, you know, all I've got and you're not going to like it is old Toys R Us carts. And I was like, that is absolutely perfect. So, you know, it just happened to work out. The fact that we didn't have time to paint over the old Pac-Man that's on the wall, things like that. And once we got up and going, we realized how much people recognize that nostalgia. And we're like, let's just keep it as it is. We'll be very basic, interior, uh, laid back. We just want to be welcoming and people to come in and be comfortable. And we think keeping that, uh, you know, the remnants of the past there uh, has helped a ton. I would agree with that 100%. I mean, just speaking my story, like every year for our birthday, my grandma's present to us was we would get to go with her one-on-one to Toys R Us. We got 20 bucks. However we wanted to spend it, we got to spend it. And so I have such strong emotional ties with that place already. So yeah, now I'm not going in there and getting a set of Lego, but I'm going in and I'm getting, you know, my angel's envy or, or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm spending 40 minutes in there just looking around at everything. But it like there, there, there is that sentimental draw that it's just like this place isn't it's new ish, but it's also like there's already a connection there. And I think that that's it, it just it's something weird because you're talking about like toys and liquor, like complete opposite ends of the street spectrum except you guys have somehow brought them together in this really really cool way and i just i think that's awesome hey there listeners we'll get back to my guest in a minute but i gotta remind you one more time about certified piedmontese there are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable you'll just never forget them i distinctly remember the first time that i watched lebron james play basketball and the first time i saw the original star wars The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on certifiedpiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. So who... Who came up with the idea or how did you come up with the idea originally? You said, you know, you'd seen kind of these bigger alcohol stores throughout the country, but that thing didn't exist in Nebraska. So who had the idea to let's take something like that and try and bring it here? Like I said, it was something that uh, my brother-in-law always had, you know, thought would be a great idea. Whether it made sense financially, we never knew. Um and with our partnership uh, doing doing well with the tap rooms and whatnot, and you know people having some faith that we could do more uh, when the building did go up for auction, that was a big thing. You know, leasing's tough. You you put a lot of money into rent every single month uh, that you can't get back. So we definitely were on the search for larger buildings that we could buy, and a, a lot of it, you know, our our success. I contribute a good chunk to to luck. 
as well. You know, we, we worked very hard to make sure it has been successful so far, but sometimes you have to get lucky at the right times. Okay. What are some examples? What are some, th- other than the shopping carts? Cause that's a great example. Something yeah. you got lucky with. What are some other examples? Um, you know, just the time 2020, it was a time where nobody had anything else they could do. They couldn't go out. They couldn't go to restaurants. We were, you know, grocery stores, liquor stores deemed essential. Everybody was open. People could come in, uh, they could shop and people were saving money by not going out to eat. So where are they going to, you know, redirect that money somewhere Uh, there, you know, and they still wanted to have cocktails. And a lot of people were learning to make the cocktails and looking for stuff they had when they went out to eat. You know, if they went to uh, whatever restaurant and they always got the espresso martini, well, come in and talk to our cocktail manager about, you know, what's the best way to make a good espresso martini at home. And then they realize, hey, I'm saving about $200 (laughs) over the 30 martinis I'm having versus uh, getting them at restaurants and cocktail lounges all the time. So, you know, the timing was very lucky as well. Uh, I was lucky with a lot of my staff uh, having people that I can move around uh, from the Thunderheads to help with the stores, vice versa and whatnot. So what is the process like of transforming an old toy store into wine, beer and spirits? Uh, the first one was a disaster. We had <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea when we could open. We got very rushed towards the end of it. Um, I would say if you go to all of our locations, the Omaha one, the original one, is still the one that's the most unorganized, the most just chaotic all the time. Uh, we all obviously do the most volume there as well, so things are just shopped, you know, and refilled constantly. Uh, but if you go to our Lincoln location, every display is the exact same height. Things are neat. Every every product will always have a display tag and a shelf tag where Omaha, you're like, hey, when that product come in, we better check the price on that uh, <laughs> just because it's so much all the time. Um, so the first one was a lot of learning. Lincoln got better. And then by the time we got to our Grand Island store, which happens to be physically the largest store, um, you know, we felt like we were comfortable in what we wanted to do to, you know, open a little bit more successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, what were people's initial reactions? Like the first, the like when you first opened and people are coming in for the first time, what do you remember about just seeing people in the aisles for the first time? Yeah, they, you could tell nobody had really seen anything like it before, even if you had been out of state to whether it was a Total Wine in Minnesota or Apple Jacks in Colorado or wherever it had been. Uh, they could tell it was definitely different. And, I mean, that bar, the first thing you see, that's, that's just a plain giveaway. This is a place I've never been before. This is something that I'll enjoy um, all the way down just to the sheer amount of product we have. Uh, whether it's just total bottles in the store or different amount of items that we have on our shelf. Uh, people wouldn't normally think you'd go in and see 18 different triple sex, you know, something as basic as that. Uh, so when they did, they were, you know, overwhelmed for sure. It was one of those, all right, I got to take a step back. What do I actually want? And then what do I want to look at and just check out for a while? How do you think your average customer has changed from those first, you know, weeks, months when it was just being discovered to now when wine, beer and spirits is a pretty familiar thing to most people. Yeah, it's a it's a ton of repeat customers on any given day. I could run into 10 to 50 people that 
if I was good at remembering names, I would know their <laughs> names, but you know, I know their faces. I know, uh, what softball team their daughter plays on things like that. Uh, but it's something where it's a destination spot, uh, where they come out. It's a Thursday night, uh, for a few, uh, you know, a little while they come out, they check out what's new. They come in to talk to Jack about beer or Matt about wine. Uh, they know they can come in for good recommendations as opposed to at first it was, all right, I'm just going to look at everything, try to figure out what I might want. Um, to now it's, all right, I'm going to go in and talk to somebody I know. I want suggestions on this. I, I need gift ideas for an anniversary or whatever it may be. And you do really see those trends when you open a new store. You see people even, uh, you know, when we open Lincoln, it followed the same pattern. People came in and they were kind of afraid to talk to the staff. They were so overwhelmed. They didn't even know what questions to ask. Now in Lincoln, since it's been there two years, uh, they go in, they know they can talk to Sandra. They can talk to Todd. They can talk to Reggie. Uh, and they're able to, you know, make those connections with staff there. So you always see that kind of progression with every store. When did you guys know that this thing was a success? I would say probably within 45 days, I was told you better get ready to open another one soon. Wow. Uh, and I was like, I don't know how I can do that, but uh, we'll figure it out. Um, just based off of, you know, business models, what your projections are, where you feel comfortable, where, where you feel uh, like you'll do all right. It, it didn't take long to know that this was something we wanted to get uh, to Lincoln as soon as possible. And then a lot of it's just opportunity with uh, the real estate, you know, was Grand Island. Did we know that would be next? No, but we found a building that uh, made sense um, uh, financially and whatnot. And then our next location in Fremont, we would have never guessed that. Uh, that was just completely random and it it's hopefully going to work out there as well. And uh, just remind me, when's Fremont opening? Uh, we're hoping by middle of September's the goal. All right, Fremont listeners. Yep. Gives you something to get excited about. Yep. Okay, so, I mean, you knew pretty soon we've got one location. We were able to kind of, you know, patch this thing together at the beginning and, and make things work. Now we want to open a second location. What did, you, what did you learn about opening that first one that allowed you to be better set up for success for the second one? Uh, giving ourselves a little bit more time, understanding that things take longer than we originally, um, expected with the first location, whether it's, I mean, when you receive, you know, a million and a half dollars worth of product in a week, it takes a while to get all that set in the system, everything like that. Uh, so just not being as rushed, um, obviously understanding, just spatial logistics of it. How much room are we going to need for bourbon versus uh, Cabernets versus French wine versus cocktail can cocktails and local craft beer? Uh, just having a better idea for that because we, I mean, we've switched the floor plan in Omaha half a dozen times and we'll probably do it again uh, just because things, you know, tend to change and we recognize that we might not dedicate enough space for certain things that we want to. Now, if someone goes to the downtown Omaha location versus the one off 144th and Center, those are wildly different from both size, atmosphere, everything. As you, and maybe you kind of mentioned this just based off of the space that you're given to work with, but as you expand, like what's the balance between replicating 
what worked at the original location, what's proven versus giving each store kind of its own individual personality? Yeah. So our downtown location, we uh, had the Thunderhead tap room that was in there before. And we had about a little over a year left on our lease. And we wanted to see if a smaller satellite version could work in a downtown area just in case, you know, we want to enter other markets, but we don't want to go out and try to find another 30, 40,000 square foot building. So we thought that was a good uh, opportunity to see if it makes sense from the business standpoint. And it was fairly quick, fairly easy to do. Um, Obviously, our biggest um, hurdle is figuring out what to carry. We can't carry everything down there. We have to pick and choose. And whether it's looking at sales data from our West store and taking the top X percent of those products or whether we think the clientele and customer base is going to be so different down there that we lean into uh, different products. So that's been our biggest challenge so far. But uh, my team down there, they do a great job of, you know, relaying information to me on what people are asking for, what's selling well, you know, looking at sales history, even though we're new. uh, So we can keep, you know, modifying that down there as well. But when you look at those big ones, mainly, you know, the original Omaha location, Lincoln, Grand Island, and now I assume this is going to be the case with Fremont. Like, do you do you tailor each store specifically to that market, or are all these markets, you know, we're all, all within you know a hundred mile radius or whatever? Are they also similar that you kind of just try and keep things the same? They're going to be similar. You know, the good thing about our company and our business, as much as I say we have a corporate team, you know, we're not corporate. I can call the downtown location when I leave here and say, hey. We're scrapping 16 foot of wine and I want it switched to, you know, all scotch tomorrow. And we can get that done uh, because we feel like it's best for the business. So we do make a lot of decisions on the fly based off of uh, what we're seeing, information that we're gathering, uh, market trends, things like that, to where if we set something, we're still comfortable changing it whenever it's needed, you know, with some projects coming down the line. If you want to touch base on, you know, I had to make room for. 3,000 square feet of uh, space, and it's like, okay, this is how we have to do it. And, you know, it's not always easy, but it makes sense long term. Okay. We got to talk about Guy Fieri. Okay. Because this is, I mean, this is a really cool thing that happened. In late May, Guy, he was in Council Bluffs uh, to promote the opening of one of his restaurants out there. And he ended up at Wine, Beer, and Spirits. I believe it was the next day to promote a brand of tequila. And I'm just going to let you take the story from there. How did Guy end up in your location? Yeah, completely random and another uh, good luck story as well. One of my investors ran into him at his opening, uh, just started chatting with him, uh, explained our concept that we carry his brand, uh, his manager and whatnot didn't believe that something like our store existed. We asked if he wanted to come out and sign bottles. He wanted to prove the manager wrong. So we had to get every bottle from our supplier within a day that was available in the state because I don't carry as many bottles, you know, that were wanted for the signing. Um, it was actually two days later. He came out on a Sunday. So I had two days to plan the event, get it promoted. I had no idea if it would gain enough traction, uh, in that short amount of time. He comes out, uh, every bottle was account. I had people there at 10 AM when the store opened sitting in line, even though he wasn't going to be there till I think one o'clock or maybe even Sheesh. two, just plop down on the, uh, on the cement. I was running them drinks from the bar that way they were still number one in line and, uh, you know, ended up 
about 200 people there uh, and didn't have that many bottles. He was kind enough to stay and take pictures with people, though, uh, who didn't have a bottle to sign or uh, signed a T-shirt or something like that. Now, you spent a lot of time with him that weekend and actually had Drew Michelle stats from Semo on. Uh, they ended up going out for dinner out there. What was your just take on Guy just as a, as a personality? What was it like to hang out with him? Yeah, you never. I mean, you never know. You see people on TV, you don't know how much of that they're playing into and whatnot. But after the signing, he just wanted a place to go have a cocktail and a cigar. We said we know the perfect place. Uh, we went and hung out for about you know two three hours and uh, just really down to earth. He still has a lot of that energy you see on TV, but just you know answered questions that I had about restaurants. I didn't. I didn't realize he was as big as he was, I knew he was, you know, huge with the TV shows, all the restaurants. I didn't realize it was that much, uh, but I was able to pick his brain. Uh, we chatted about his cigar line that he has, you know, a bunch of things. And then he was, uh, kind enough to go out and visit, uh, Semo with us and, uh, help support Drew out there, which was obviously fantastic for his launch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guy, I mean, he's basically become the face of the food network. I mean, he's got, three or four off the top of my head that I can think of recurring shows that are on almost all the time. And he's even, I mean, he's gotten so big that he's got a show that's called like guys family trip yep. where it's just like <laughs> his family just going across the country, like eating and doing things like that's the show. Like that, that's the life right there. Just take your family on vacation. We'll film it and pay you for it. And the fact that he was here, like I, I got an opportunity to, to talk to him and it was, it was almost like, an out-of-body experience like there's this person that i've seen on tv so many times like i know that he's real but for him to actually be there in the flesh it was almost like it, I, I don't know it was really odd so for you to spend so much time with him i can only imagine just how crazy of an experience that was yeah when uh drew cooked for him i i say i cooked for him because i stood over the grill and watched his steak for five minutes <laughs> so i can always say i cooked for guy fieri well, I think you do deserve credit because Drew has told me uh, that there have been, especially because Sam was a new restaurant, that there have been several times where he's been short-staffed or he's needed somebody, and he's a, you're one of the guys that he's able to call, and you'll run out to Fremont, and you'll help him. And I think that's awesome. I want to give you that shout-out here on camera. I appreciate it. It's tough. I, I know opening a business is never easy, especially staffing and uh uh, Drew and Michelle, they're great people. That's It's going to be incredibly successful. They'll be able to do whatever they want going forward just because of uh, the type of people they are. And uh, I get it. It's, it's tough when you're new and you're uh, training new people. And even with my limited experience in the recent past, you know, if I can come out and help bartend when needed, you know, uh, as long as uh, the wife allows, I'll, I'll always be there. Now, uh, this might be a difficult question to ask because if I would have asked it probably two years ago, I, I've your answer might have been wildly different. But looking at the future of wine, beer, and spirits, I mean, you know, we're talking five locations in three or four years, whatever you want to, you know, call the timeline since the m middle of 2020. What do you see as the future? I mean, is does this thing just keep expanding? Does it look like more kind of mini stores like you open downtown? Just what what do you see when you look in the future? It's it's hard to tell. We try to be opportunistic. You know, we look at things that maybe other people won't might not take a chance on, um, and we'll do it. So you know, 
if there's a nice building out in North Platte that comes up and we're like, well, let's let's give it a shot, you know, we'll we'll roll the dice with it. But we don't have any completely set, you know, goals and plans for three months, a year, two years from now. Uh, you know, we've looked at other markets, whether it be Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, and we know it'll take a lot of planning if and when we want to enter those. Um, so we we want to make sure our home base of Nebraska is covered uh, kind of the to the extent that we want it to be uh, before we dive into anything like that. Um, we also have some other business ideas that stay in the uh, food and beverage industry as well. So uh, whether or not they happen in six months or five years, there's some things we'd like to do. Uh, it's just finding time for everything and making sure, uh, you know, our current businesses are operating as best as we can. What do you think has been the most important aspect of your growth and success so far? I would think, uh, coming from the service industry, I always think that it's customer service and you hear that no matter what it is, no matter what industry somebody's in, they're always going to say taking care of the customers. But I do truly believe that. Um, and I've always, you know, I told the investors and the business model, the business plan, I'm going to spend money on, uh, labor dollars and labor hours. Cause I feel like it's necessary. Um, so I do believe that has helped a ton and I feel like I get feedback, um, from our customers that it has, uh, so I, I do think that's number one. I think number two is just being unique and being very uh, approachable from our, our business model that we're just a little bit different than everybody else who's done something or is trying to do something similar. Now, I got two questions for you to get you out of here uh, that I like to ask just about every guest I have on. But I, I'm very interested in your answers because you're coming from a very different space than a lot of my guests are from normal restaurants. The first is this, what is one thing that you think customers or people in general don't understand about the spirits business, beer business, wine business that you wish they did understand? Can I just say Blanton's? Uh, Yes, (laughs) please. uh, Just, I think it's about 50-50, the people that understand it with bourbon, that it's almost impossible to get on a lot of the products. And 50% are so new that they're just learning uh, how difficult it is to get. Um, But also knowing that there are products out there that are very, very good, that are easily accessible. And just because certain products aren't always available doesn't mean there's not something as good. Um, And also just understanding supply chain and they don't, you know, when it's going to take place. If you're looking for last minute Christmas gifts on high end scotch, I if you want a 21 year uh, scotch, they're going to be gone come December 24th. You know uh, that things just aren't always easily available, and that's not just bourbon scotches, whiskeys. Uh, a product like vodka fresca seltzers just exploded out of nowhere. Uh, a few weeks ago and I can't get any, I, and I get probably 20 calls a day about it and I have no idea when I'll get it. I have no idea how much I'll get, but, uh, just the whole, um, supply chain line. And also that, you know, pricing is something that we're seeing across the board, uh, become, you know, a thing where, uh, suppliers, distributors, everybody is having to, uh, kind of take cuts or squeeze a little bit higher in certain areas just because of what it is becoming. Mm -hmm. Well, I think 
what positions you guys so uniquely is if somebody wants Blanton's for interest, at, for for example, excuse me, and they go into you know just a a smaller liquor store, and Blanton's isn't available, it's kind of like okay, well then see you later. I'm walking out. With you guys, we're talking over six thousand products available. You guys might not have Blanton's at that moment, but you have something that's similar. And you have knowledgeable professionals on the floor who are able to talk to a customer and say, hey, I'm really sorry. You know, we don't have that specific thing, but this whiskey is very similar in taste. It's in the same price range. Why don't you try this out? Let me know what you think of it. Like, I think that you guys are uniquely positioned because of how your store is set up to even if people don't get exactly what they want when they want it, you can give them something and maybe open their eyes to their new favorite thing that they just didn't even know that they liked. So I just extra plug there. I think it's cool. Thank you. What is your favorite part of being a part of the food and beverage industry? Oh man. I think it is having the opportunity to, you know, do different things with different, uh, local vendors, whether it is the food trucks, whether it is the, the new meat locker that's coming, whether it's, you know, we brought in a local kid who he does candles and, you know, nicest family. Really? I've, I, his mom used to do events at our old tap rooms back when he started making these, when he was, I don't know, 13, 14 years, years old. And now we have, you know, a bunch of their candles in the store and, uh, just being able, you know, the Oso mix, uh, out of South Omaha, being able to partner with them, uh, you know, some of the other companies here that, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to do that. We had the huge local event where we had 14, uh, vendors out in our parking lot a couple weeks ago and just seeing them all and them coming out and being able to showcase their products to, uh, our customers. I think we probably had 300 people that day come out for that event and it was crazy how many people didn't realize that some of those products were made in Nebraska that, you know, breweries that have been around for a decade, like they had no idea it was, you know, in Lincoln or whatever. So, uh, you know, being able to help the small local uh, businesses continue to succeed and grow because they all do such a great, great job. And uh, they're all, you know, just amazing people. We're lucky to have a community in both food and beverage that's produced locally that, uh, has such amazing families, amazing owners, operators, all the way down to their hourly staff, uh, and being able to get out to some of those places personally and uh, see them firsthand is always fun. I absolutely love that. I mean, you guys could totally just have your liquor superstore and just have all nationally available products, but the fact that you intentionally select ones from Nebraska and not just not just alcohol, but you're supporting you know other you know meat lockers and candles and food trucks and stuff like that too it just adds an extra layer on top of it and i think it's just super cool but that's not a surprise with your business because a lot of what you do is super cool and i i just love that you can have such a unique experience anytime you come in i mean yeah you can come in and if you want to make it a five minute shop where you just want to grab your thing and get out you can you can spend an hour walking around doing your thing i have friends from work who will say yeah, I'm going, let's, let's go to Toys R Us tonight. Still call it Toys R Us and just, you know, grab a drink tonight. I've come out and gotten a drink and gotten a pizza from Izzy's. Like there's just, there's so many different ways to experience wine, beer, and spirits. And I think that's part of what makes it such a special place and why I'd recommend any listener or watcher go check it out. 
Jake, I know that, you know, you, you just told me you were up till 3 a.m. last night just stocking and doing inventory. So I got to let you out of here and let you go get some sleep. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating and drinking with us. Ahura Media Production.